Hey guys, welcome to the My Autism Tribe podcast. If this is your first time, I'm so glad you found us. And if you've been listening, welcome back. Today I'm speaking with Eileen Lamb. She's the founder of the blog, The Autism Cafe, and she's also a writer and photographer. She was born in France and now lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and two absolutely adorable sons, Charlie and Jude. On her blog, she shares the ups and downs of raising a severely autistic child while actually being on the autism spectrum herself. You're not going to want to miss this one. I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Also, don't forget to check us out on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. It's My Autism Tribe across the board. So find us, follow us, join our tribe. We'd absolutely love to have you. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Before we start our interview, I'd like to share with you a quote from our guest today. You can find this on our blog, The Autism Cafe. She says, Dear strong woman, you don't show your pain because you heard that to be vulnerable is to be weak that crying is a flaw, and that you need to get back up as soon as you fall. Yet you don't. I'm here to tell you that it's okay if you can't. Strength is finding the courage to speak up in a world that has been cruel to you. Strength is letting people in no matter how many times you've been hurt before. Strength is being able to say, I'm not okay right now. I need you. Those are such powerful words, right? I am so happy to welcome Eileen to our show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. First and foremost, we are all kind of in this journey together, and we talked a little bit offline, and we all learn so much from each other. And when I came across your website, the Autism Cafe, I immediately was drawn to the photography and then came to find out that you're actually the photographer behind the photos. And so I was absolutely floored at just how beautiful they were. So um, first and foremost, I just want to say it's a complete honor to have you on the show today. Thank you. So I want to let everyone know a little bit about your backstory. And one thing that I find this to be so intriguing is that not only are you an autism parent yourself, but you yourself are also on the spectrum. Let's start off sharing a little bit about, about your backstory and what kind of led you to where you are today regarding your diagnosis. So I grew up in France. Uh, you're going to hear my accent through this uh, interview. It's beautiful. Thank you. And, uh, you know, people think of France as so good when it comes to mental health and disability and healthcare and all of that. But the reality is that it's not that good. And right now, when it comes to autism awareness in France, there is pretty much nothing. Mm -hmm. So I grew up there and was misdiagnosed, not diagnosed until I was an adult and I'd moved to the United States. So for Pretty much my entire life, I was living with autism and I didn't know it. Uh, I found out I was autistic after my son was diagnosed. Okay. It was um, five years ago now. My mom, who is French, uh, told me that Charlie, my son, could not be autistic because I was the exact same way as a child, except I talked a lot. Mm. 
and I started researching autism. I didn't even know, you know, it could be so different from one side of the spectrum to the other. And I learned about high functioning autism. And I was like, wow, yeah, I do have a lot of the symptoms, but I didn't want to just assume I was autistic. Like I don't like self-diagnosis, you know, I wanted to be sure. So I went through a therapeutic assessment. Basically, it's uh, hours and hours of tests with a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end, they tell you if, you know, could have been anything, could have been autism, a social disorder, schizophrenia, like they evaluate you for anything. And it turned out that, uh, yeah, I was uh, high functioning. I found out I was high functioning autistic. Wow. And you are living in Austin, Texas right now, and this is where you receive the diagnosis? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So I've been told that sometimes the symptoms of autism present themselves not only differently just across the board, it's the spectrum, but also between boys and girls. What were some of the challenges that you were experiencing growing up that made you think when you started researching a little bit more about you yourself being on the autism spectrum, what were some of those signs that you saw yourself in? Well, I think the main one was the social aspect of it. I have such a hard time like speaking with people, interacting with strangers or even like people in general, like eye contact is so difficult for me. And I have, you know, some behaviors that can be seen as weird, steaming behavior, you know, which I still have now, like flapping my hands, rocking and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I never thought much of it until I learned about autism. I thought it was just my way to self-soothe, you know, I, but I knew my friends didn't do it. So it was, you know, always, I always felt different from people around me. Um, I have, you know, interests that I can dive in very deeply and for hours on end. Um, yeah, I think these were really the, the main things. And, but basically just feeling so different and disconnected from the rest of the world. It's like I was in the same room as other people and I couldn't connect. I didn't get people. I couldn't read their emotions i i you know this feeling of being disconnected sure absolutely it's interesting that you say that because one thing that i find so interesting with my son alex who's six um so our sons are the same age it's one thing that i observe sometimes with alex is that i do feel like he's disconnected from the environment that he's in And yet at the same time, he feels things so deeply. Mm -hmm. And so I find it to be this, got the whole, the whole juxtaposition of everything, you know, like being able to feel like you're disconnected and yet at the same time feel like it's just like he can feel so much. Does that make, does that make sense? Do you, do you have those feelings as well? Totally. And, you know, in a lot of way, um, Like sometimes I can't, what people think I don't, you know, there is that, how do you say, misconception that people with autism uh, don't, are not empathetic. They don't have empathy. Yeah. Well, that is so not true. I think what 
happens is that we don't show our emotions and feelings in a way that makes sense to the people around us. Like sure. I often, my voice often sounds very flat, you know, but inside I'm experiencing all of these things and I'm able to express these things when I write, but when I'm talking with someone, it doesn't come across usually, but I still feel these things. So there is a contrast there where people think that, well, can she feel anything? Well, yeah, I feel so much, but it's so overwhelming that I think I keep it inside and it comes across as me being like cold and oh, yes. flat, but it's, that's not it at all. Yes, exactly. So that's, and that's exactly right. That's what I had a feeling because of course, again, you know, my, my son is, is limited in his communication. He's come a long way, but hearing it from someone like yourself just kind of provides validation that yes, he certainly feels and at times probably feels so much that he keeps it, you know, like locked in. So when you were pregnant, like, so you're, you're, pregnant with Charlie and you're looking forward to being a mom. And then when Charlie was born, were there any kind of signs early on that Charlie may have some learning differences or when did you start suspecting that he may be on this, on the spectrum himself? Well, as a newborn, I mean, there were a few things like he stopped nursing, breastfeeding from one day to the other. It was like very sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it was a sign of autism or not, but that's something that was always like very strange to all the doctors. Like we tried so many things, just quit from one day to the other. And he's never been able to be around another baby without crying. Like Mm -hmm. see another baby and just start crying instantly. It was like so intense. But other than that, um, until he was 18 months, Mm -hmm. wasn't, nothing was like, crazy you know he uh he had a few words only 10 which was still like you know very delayed for an 18 months old but uh what happened is that he lost those words and he stopped talking all together and then he started spending his entire days lining things up like mm-hmm. that's all he wanted to do like all his little cars by colors he would line them up all day and if someone came and tried to touch a car it would be like uh, you know instant meltdown for an hour like so intense yes um, he stopped making eye contact he used to make a little bit of eye contact uh, he didn't want to interact with us and he was so specific with everything you know very rigid transitions were so difficult um so we got him we did the m chat online do you know about the m chat yes mm-hmm. yeah and it told us you know it's out of 20 and i think above three is risk for autism and Charlie scored 18. So we called, um, it's called ECI, early childhood intervention. That's the name in Texas. It's different yes. in every state. And they came and they evaluated him and he qualified for everything, RT, speech, and it was like some parent training thing, PT. Um, but after a month of doing the therapy with ECI, they were like, this is out of our league. Um, you know, we can't really help you uh, with with Charlie, um, and they recommended we get him evaluated for autism. Yeah. Okay. And so at this point in time, he was a, about eighteen months, going on two years. 
It was like 20 months around the time we got ECI to come and everything. Yeah. Okay. And he was diagnosed at 22 officially. Okay. 22 months. That's, that's about, Alex was about two and a half and we kind of went through the same thing, experienced the same things with, with Alex around the age of 18 months and then had him evaluated. And so along this journey, um, I guess shortly after Charlie was going through therapy, Jude came along as well. And Jude is, is neurotypical. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And so he is just three years old. And so what is their relationship like, Charlie and Jude? It's, you know, at first, Charlie couldn't even stand being in the same room as Jude. Like I said, he would cry every time another peer was in the same room. So that was really, really difficult. He would even like hit Jude in the face. And yeah. it was hard as a mom because, you know, I had expectation, you know, it's, it was, it was difficult to see one of my son hit my other son and to not have, to not see them have any kind of relationship. So we asked for help from his therapist and it worked. We, we started having them watch a video on an iPad together, just, you know, next to each other doing some things they both loved. Yes. And, you know, just to tolerate, tolerate each other. You know, I didn't even want them to like love each other, just tolerate being in the same room. <laughs> yeah. And throughout the years, I mean, their relationship has evolved and they, they are very, very sweet. It's very special. Jude is Aww. always helping Charlie, like, you know, feeding him with a fork and helping him with the bathroom and getting him dressed. And so he's the little brother, but he has really taken on that role of big brother. And it's so sweet. Yeah, that, that's where we're at. And so, you know, it's not the relationship you imagine. Charlie is uh, still uh, nonverbal. You know, he's level three, severe, and he doesn't really understand or want to interact with you that much. But they have their moments that are very brave and very sweet. So that's, that's good. That's incredible. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so your husband... Um, through the whole process, you know, when you guys were seeking the diagnosis for Charlie, what were some of the conversations that you and your husband were having? Were, were you both on the same page with, with all of it from the diagnosis to the therapies? Um, what was that like? Well, so first of all, my husband, Willie, didn't think that Charlie was autistic. And you know what? No one around us really believed it except right. me. Uh, I think it was deny, like, eh, you know, he's so young and he's learning two languages because I was speaking French to him. Sure. Um, and it really took like his CI saying, you know what, this is out of my league for him to come to terms with the fact that, okay, yeah, maybe it's true. Maybe Charlie is, is autistic and we, sh we should get him evaluated. And since that moment, we've really, we've been on the same page for everything. Like, you know, maybe a therapy, we read a lot about it because we didn't know what what to think there's so much controversy around it sure and you know we both agreed that if the doctors thought that was the best thing for charlie we needed to to do it and we did and we you know we we, we act as a team now but at the beginning there was a bit of a denial going on from this yeah. part yeah i feel like that's for so much what i hear across the board you know just the, it's it's a tough thing to wrap your head around 
And it's such an emotional place that you're in when all of this stuff is happening. And I think especially for the men and, and their sons, you know, from, from my understanding, you never want that for your child. And like you said, it's not anything that you expected or had dreamed about, but, but then reality sets in and there you are. I know, Eileen, but not only are you a photographer, but you're also a writer. And you made mention of this a little while ago that sometimes it's hard for you to express yourself unless you're writing. And I have to say that you are such a gifted writer in addition to photographer. And I want everyone to check out your blog because there are so many things on there that really resonated with me. And not only that, but just <laughs> brought tears because you have a way with words. And, and so has that always been something that you have done, like the writing and, and the photos? Or is this something that you've really kind of come into as you've become a mother and uh, an advocate? The, uh, the writing has always been a huge part of my life. Um, as part of my autism, that's part of my autism diagnosis. I was uh, diagnosed with hyperlexia uh, when okay. I was a kid, which means that I learned to read and write. From, I was around three, which is um, early. My son is hyperlexic. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever met anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Well, so, yeah, I've always loved writing. It's, you know, it was always my way to express myself. Um, and I always kind of dreamed to be a writer, to be honest. Um, so it's been a, a dream come true for me. But the photography, it really came late uh, after I became a mom. And, you know, you want to capture moments with your kids. And I picked up a camera and I just learned, you know, um, as an adult, I never went to photography school or anything. It's just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, your your pictures definitely. I think because I dabble in photography, I'm nowhere near as good as you are. But it's seeing things through very quite literally a different lens. <laughs> and when you're behind the camera, um, you know everything is put into a different perspective. And especially when the photos are of your children, and you have you've captured such sweet sweet photos of of your sons and of Charlie and um they're just absolutely beautiful. As far as the writer um portion of it, you know, of course you have the website the Autism Cafe, uh, but then you also I guess you have published a book. It's called All Across the Spectrum. Is that right? Yeah, it was it was published by a Thought Catalog last year and it's uh well it has my photography in it too so it's uh yeah it has my writing and my photography and it's about my journey as a, a mom with autism raising an autistic child I you know talk about my childhood being undiagnosed and my difficulty with like I said social skills and doing simple things like going to the grocery store that all people were doing and that was so difficult for me and I, yeah, I, I wrote the book really mainly because I wanted people to feel like they were not alone because there's a lot of, um, you know, 
bad judgment on social media when parents express negativity about their children's diagnosis or if they express like sadness. Yes. I really want people to understand that you can feel sad about your child's diagnosis and still love them with every fiber of your being. And people don't seem to get that, that both are totally possible. And I want people reading my book to really, you know, understand this, that you can feel sad and still love your kids. Absolutely. I was talking about that very subject not too long ago with one of my friends who's also an autism mom. And she was talking about that very judgment that's sometimes made that I think maybe all of us moms feel at some point in time, but for some reason or, or another, we're not so completely open and honest with that. We have such feelings of guilt, I think, when it's like, if I get a babysitter for my son so that I can go out with friends for two hours, let's say. There's such guilt with that. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mom because I got a babysitter for my child. When in fact, that self-care is so needed uh, for us to be the best moms, uh, the best dads that we can be. And, but there, but yet at the same time, there's such judgment around it. I'm like, gosh, you guys are silly. I I just, I just want to go and, and be Susan, you -hmm. know, and not have a child (laughs) like wanting, you know, asking for milk or whatever, you know, at that time, just two hours by myself. So. So needed, so important. We shouldn't feel guilty about it. No. No, not at all. I I saw on your blog that uh, in your free time, which I laugh at free time, it's like, gosh, do we really ever really have that? But you you enjoy daydreaming, which I think we all could do more of, and then wine and road trips. So I love uh, daydreaming and wine. As far as the road trips, are these things that you guys do as a family? Like- yeah. Well, you know, with Charlie, flying is like impossible. We did it once and I'm like traumatized from that, that <laughs> flight. It was so awful. And we went to oh. France, so it wasn't like, you know, an easy short oh, trip. Oh, man. And we haven't done it since then, you know, because we... Yeah. So we, we were in Boston. Charlie was born in Boston, Massachusetts. And we moved back to Austin and we drove. So that was uh, 30-something hours in yeah. the car. And Charlie didn't cry a single time during that trip, which we're like, that is amazing. So that is Charlie so amazing. And that is just our way to travel, basically, right now, to enjoy time as a family. So we do it like once a year. We went to California last January. Uh, Vermont, where my husband's family is from. So these are very long road trips and we sleep in hotels and yeah, it's just kind of fun. But I would like to be able to get on a plane with Charlie at some point. I There are several organizations here locally that do kind of like plane-friendly events where they will have them at the airports where the you know, people on the spectrum can go and do a friendly visit to the airport and go through security and actually board the airplane. 
you know, the airplane never takes off, but the whole process of actually going to a new location and going through some new experiences may help a little bit. I wonder if there's anything in your area. Yeah, we have that in Dallas, but it's three hours away, so it's doable, but yeah, that's definitely something we could try. Have you ever flown with a... You know, he has he has been on a plane three different times. Now it's not been any kind of lengthy trip like overseas, but we have had a layover, you know, uh, in, in a city. So the longest time he's actually been on a plane at one period, at one point or another, has probably been about two hours, and he did great. The sound, he also has a sensory processing disorder, so loud sounds for him can sometimes be. Uh, overwhelming, but we had an iPad <laughs> that we were armed with and some headphones, and that seemed to really help a lot. Yeah, yeah, the iPad lifesaver. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. My mom, she says, I don't know how we ever took like those long road trips and things without them, but you know, it's, it's been definitely beneficial. We've actually used that as part of his ABA therapy, like as far as the rewards at one point in time. It was the iPad and books. He's, you know, he loves to read. He's an avid reader. And, um, but yeah, the iPad has definitely been helpful. And I think there's also a lot of judgment, kind of going back to the judgment with the iPad or any kind of screen time for that matter for us, it has been part of our reward system for Alex. And I feel like if it's used appropriately, then it can be beneficial, you know, not as a babysitter, but short periods of time or certain apps that you can use, like the learning apps are really cool. Some of the games on there, I think have been really, really nice to have for Alex. Yeah, I agree. And Charlie uses his iPad because he has um, Proloquo to go on it, which is the yes. communication. So, I mean, it's like needed. It's basically his voice. And so without his iPad, is he can't communicate anything. So Yes, that's awesome. Some good things. Well, Eileen, it's it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, as I spoke about before, I'm going to include links to all of your social platforms and your website um, in the show notes. So everyone check those out and check out Eileen's photography and just her blog. It's really so heartfelt and touching and uh, you truly do have a gift with with the writing and the, and the photography. So uh, it was a complete honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Eileen's unique story coupled with her absolutely stunning photography is an inspiration and tribute to all who overcome the impossible and persevere for those that they love. There's so many people out there that are, for whatever reason, traveling on this journey alone, but it doesn't have to be that way. I hope you and others actually find relief in knowing that there are a lot of us traveling the same road and you don't have to travel alone. As Eileen points out, road trips can be fun, so why not join others? We're not alone. Thanks for being a part of my autism tribe, and I'll see you next week.